chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, we'll start there and we'll skip over to chapter 6, and seriously, I'm going to try to condense this into the, the three points because of the extreme heat. I'm, I'm going to try to condense this. I'm not promising that's what's going to happen, amen? I said I'm going to try. Brother Ken came up to me outside in the car. Before I could even get out of the car, he said, hey. And man, he had a little sheepish grin on his face. He said, the air is out today. So why are you coming to me? Let me get out of the car before you start hitting me with all this stuff, man. But anyway, I want to preach to you today. In your, and by the way, who needs a worship guide? I'm sorry, I, forget, I always forget to do that. Who needs a worship guide? Write your notes in if I give them. Amen. Sometimes I don't even give them, but give you a good outline to go home and work on. Anybody need a worship guide? Keep your hand up. Most of y'all are currently using them as a fan, so it really don't matter. Amen. I'm going to preach on you on the subject this morning of higher ground. Higher ground. And if we could set a little tone for the service this morning, and I, all kidding aside, I will try to preach fast today because I know it's warm. But the thought being that it's always God's plan to take His children to a higher place. And no matter where you're at today, you may be lost. And if you're here tonight or this morning and you do not know Jesus, God wants to bring you to a better place. If you know you're saved... Hey, even for all of us that know Jesus, I'm telling you, God wants to take us to a better place too. It's called growth. So we're going to talk way back in Exodus, the familiar passage of God bringing His children out of bondage. And He's trying to get them to Canaan. But you can't just get there. There's a process. There's a pattern. There's some things that have to take place before you can get into Canaan. And that's what we want to look at today because I'm like all of y'all. I'm like preacher. When I preach, I preach to me. If you get something out of it or if God uses it, but I can honestly say 99% of the messages I've preached are messages God preached to me and said, you need this. So in Exodus chapter 2, we go all the way back before Moses even called, before God even called Moses. In chapter 3 is where God used the burning bush to re- reveal himself to Moses and began the call upon Moses' life to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But right before that, let's see where God's people were. Of course, they were in Egypt. They were enslaved. In chapter 2, verse actually verse 23, we'll start there. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried... And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now skip over to chapter 6. I believe that's in your worship guide as well. What happens in chapters 3 through 5 is God calls Moses. He reveals himself to Moses. Moses begins to offer up reasons why he can't do this. We're going to look at that. He begins to tell God this ain't going to work. 
You're going to try to use me to bring your children out of Egypt. Not going to work. God keeps working on Moses. Finally, in chapter 6, it's really not over. This happens for two or three more chapters. But in chapter 6, he gets Moses and Aaron together and says, Guys, this is what's going to happen. Whether y'all believe it or not, this is what's going to happen. And church, I will tell you this morning, whether we believe it or not, what God says is going to happen is going to happen. Amen? Some, it's amazing to me how many Christians today are threatened about the world. How many Christians today are, are fearful about what's going on around us? I got news for you. Everything that God says is going to happen is going to happen. And the world's not going to stop him. Hey, our administration's not going to stop him. This word will be fulfilled. And nothing's going to change that. Now, in Exodus chapter 6, let's see what happens. Verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel that they hearkened, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me? Who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These be the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. And he goes through the list. These be the families, the sons of Simon. And he begins to go through the list of those that will be delivered. Now listen. The first thing I want to say before we get into the, the notes and the foundation is this. One of the things is you study this, if you've studied the book of Exodus and God delivering his children, is way back in Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham. Way back in Genesis, I believe, chapter 15, he told Abraham, he said, uh, you're going to have the seed that lasts forever. It's going to live forever. By the way, it's still alive today. God made a promise to Abraham. And even though God's people some 400 years later were still in bondage, still in Egypt, still in a foreign land, I want you to know, hey, even though it may take a long time sometimes and we may doubt, we may wonder, 
I want you to know God always keeps his promises. Aren't you glad for that, church? God keeps his promises. You can bank on it. You can stand on it. He told Abraham that it would happen, and it's fixing to happen. That's why we believe that one day Jesus is coming again. Amen? He said, Brother Bush, do you really believe that? Yeah, I believe it. Well, how, how do you know that's going to happen? Because he said so, amen? That's all I need. I believe he's going to keep that promise. He ain't never broke one before, amen? God keeps his promises. In your foundational thoughts today, let's go over them first. On your notes, in your worship guide. Number one, it's always God's plan to take his children to a better place than where we are today. I mentioned that earlier, so I'm not going to dwell here. I just want you to know no matter where you are in your Christian life, and chances are we're all kind of in a different place, amen? Typically, no two Christians are at the same level of spiritual growth. If you're here and you're lost, he wants to save you. If you're here and you're saved, maybe you're a new convert. He wants to begin to grow you in in Christ. Maybe you're a mature Christian. I'm telling you, you never reach perfection until you see Jesus. But you can be mature. And, and some of you are probably like me. You're kind of growing in grace. Amen? You're kind of wanting to go to a higher place. Uh, the bottom line is, no matter where you are, God wants to take you to higher ground. I believe that. I, I believe God has no desire to see His children stay the same. And, and I think one of the reproaches today on Christianity in the average Christian life is we get comfortable and we get settled in And we quit changing for the glory of God. And God's got a plan for us to grow and and mature spiritually. God help us to realize today He always wants to take us to a better place. Number two in your notes. While there are always seasons of drought, over time the Christian life should be progressive and an upward journey. There's always going to be seasons of drought. We find that. In Scripture. But overall, the Christian life should be an, an upward journey. Amen? It really should be, church. Uh, the old song says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It's always an upward path. It should be, it should be a rocket ride almost. Oh, you're going to have hills and valleys, but it should still be climbing up. Amen, church? We should have an upward progression. So where are you today? I believe today one of the scourges in Christianity is is so many of God's people are, are, are going down. We're getting worse. We're not growing. And, and we're going the other way. And that's not God's plan, church. God, help us today to realize that if if we're not climbing, if we're not going up, that we should be. Think about that. Where are you at today in your Christian life? Well, let's look at the pattern. I I believe God gives us a pattern on how to have higher ground, how to to reach higher ground as a Christian. And, And that's really what we want to focus on today. So how do you do it? How do you get this higher ground, Brother Butch. What, what's higher ground mean to me? What does it look like for my Christian life? Well, let's go back to Exodus chapter 2, where we started. Because I believe it starts right here. 
Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, one of the pharaohs died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How do you reach higher ground? Number one, and your first point in your outline, there was a cry to God. There was a cry out to God. There was a cry. God's people were in bondage. They were in slavery. Hey, they were in Egypt. They were in a foreign land. They, they weren't in close communion with their father. They were, they were enslaved. And they began, the Bible says, to cry out to God. The first thing that happened that started the process for God's people to come out of slavery and one day go to Canaan was a crying out to their God. The Bible said in verse 22, they were sighing in their bondage. They were tired of the slavery. They were tired of Egypt. They cried out to God. And the Bible says that their cry came up to God. And he heard their cry. Hey, you want to go to higher ground? Listen to me. It starts with us crying out to God. And here's something else. Don't miss this because this will be in your notes. I'll give you those in just a minute. It starts with God's people getting tired of where they are. Let me just camp here for just a minute. You're not going to go to higher ground for God. You're not going to go to that next level in your spiritual life until you get tired of where you are. Hey, it don't matter in business. It don't matter, hey, secular, spiritual. Hey, you're not going to grow and go to a new level in anything in life until you get discontent, until you get tired of where you are today. That's with anything in life. God's people were tired. They were in slavery. Man, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ever been there? Hey, you got to get there before you go to higher ground. Some of you want higher ground in Christ. You want to move up a notch. You want to see your life grow. You want to grow in grace. You want to mature some. It's not going to happen until you get tired of Egypt. You got to get tired of it. You got to say, Lord, I want something more. Lord, I want something more from you. God, I don't want to be in bondage anymore. I want God to be closer to you and move closer to you. There was a cry out to God. Where are you at? God's people were crying, the Bible says. They were, they were groaning. Hey, I'm telling you, folks, I've learned what that means. Some of y'all have never cried out to God. I'm not saying you ain't ever prayed. I'm saying groanings. The first time I ever cried out to God, with the exception of being saved, because I was young when I got saved, and I do remember being on my knees crying out to God, even though I didn't even know it. I just knew I cried out to God and asked Him to save me, and He did. Aren't you glad you ain't got to understand everything to get saved? Amen? But the first time I ever cried out to God as a believer was when my nephew died of cancer. He was 11 years old. And I remember for the first time in my life groaning for my brother and crying out to God. In the last 10 years, our son who struggled with addiction, I'm going to tell you one thing God's done for his glory in my life. I've learned how to groan. I've learned how to cry. 
Man, I wasn't a crier. Man, it used to take a lot to make me cry. Man, I was hard as anvils. But I'm telling you, God's one thing God's done with my son's addiction is I've learned how to groan. I've learned how to cry, Miss Loretta. We talked before service. She, Justin's been doing the same thing. I've learned how to groan. Hey, church, let me tell you something. You may not ever care if God hears your prayer, but you're going to want him to hear your cry. You're going to want him to hear your groanings. God's people weren't just praying. They were crying out. They were groaning. Hey, you're not going to go to a higher level until you learn to cry to God and get serious about it and groan to God and let God know that you're willing to pay the price. I'm talking about you've got to get dissatisfied with Egypt before you can go to Canaan. God's people were crying and they were tired of Egypt. You've got to get tired of it. Number one, in your notes, God's people were tired of being bondage. Secondly, to reach higher ground, you must be willing to leave where you are. I, I believe one of the dangers we see in our churches today and in the average Christian life and in my life many times, man, we just get comfortable, don't we? Man, we, we have a very anemic brand of Christianity today in America. Not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm talking about me too. We don't have to, we don't have to pay a price to worship God. I know we live in a society that's trying to restrict some of our freedoms, but the fact is, we can still worship freely. And I say we've gotten comfortable. I, I say we've got a great church to go to, and it's easy to just get in the comfort zone of going to church and going home and living like we want to. I, I say today God's people need to get uncomfortable again. And no matter how good things are on the outside, say, Lord, move me to higher ground. Help me to desire to leave where I am today and to be willing to leave where I am today. Help me to get out of my comfort zone, God. You're not going to reach higher ground in your comfort zone. Not going to happen. You got to get out. That song we sing, you got to get into the deep waters, amen. You got to get out there. You young people need to understand that. Oh, God, help us to realize that. There's a price to be paid uh, for getting close to God, for knowing God in a deeper way. It's not easy. Getting saved is, is a simple plan, but growing as a Christian is very challenging. It comes at a cost. The last note under point number one is this. God had respect for their desire to move to higher ground. They were tired. They wanted more. You ever notice in life, most of the time, the only things you accomplish are the things you really desire. I'm talking about desire, amen? Think about the last time you really desired God. I remember my wife and I were young and, and we began to like each other, Amen? Y'all remember those days? Some of y'all need to go back to those days. We kind of liked each other. I, I mean, we were just kids. She was nine and I was ten. I mean, when I say I've only, I'm a one-woman man, I promise you, I'm a one-woman man from the age of nine. Amen? <clears throat> and we started liking each other. And you know what happened? God put a desire in my heart as I got older. Man, when I got to be a teenager, I said, she don't even know it, but one day that gal's going to be my wife. 
Man, I started pursuing her. Not stalking her. Some of y'all are looking kind of weird. (laughs) But I started pursuing her. Man, that desire grew. I finally went out on a date with her. I was poor. She was rich. She used to pay for all the dates. Amen. Can't beat that deal. Amen. I wasn't always cheap. Sometimes we went Dutch. Amen. God help us. I started pursuing her. That desire grew. Well, I finally got the courage to ask her to marry me. She said, yes. God gave us a child. God gave us a second child. A third child. A fourth child, and the desire was completely gone. Amen. (laughs) Desire's gone. Just kidding. Desire. The point is this. You want to go to a higher level as a Christian? You really want, hey, you want that? You got to want it. That's the whole point, amen? You got to want this stuff, church. It's going to come at a cost. We think we can grow in grace and not have trials. We think we can grow in grace and just coast in our casualness of Christian living. It don't happen that way. I'm learning even as a pastor that it takes some refining. It takes some fire. It takes some trials. It takes some tribulation with us staying obedient to God to grow in grace. This stuff ain't easy. God said after you've suffered a while, then I'll establish you and strengthen you and settle you and grow you. But I'm telling you, strengthening and growing And growing in grace is preceded by suffering. But we like it easy. We like our passive Christian living. You don't mess with me and I won't mess with you. And I'll go to church and I'll open my Bible every now and then. And I got news for you. We ain't going to higher ground. You got to be willing to leave Egypt, amen? I ain't even gotten into that yet. Man, we in Egypt. Everyone knows what Egypt is a picture of, amen, in the Bible. It's a picture of the world. Hey, some of God's people today ain't going to get to Canaan because they ain't going to leave Egypt. Not only do they not want to leave Egypt, they like Egypt. You can't get to Canaan. You can't go to higher ground, church, until you leave Egypt. You've got to have a desire to want more, to do more, to prosper, to accomplish. God will equip you to do that. But it starts with you and I. It started with God's people saying, Lord, we want more. Man, ain't no doubt in my mind our pastor wants our church to go to a higher ground. Man, I can sense it. His desire for gospel-like church family is to go up a notch or two. Do y'all feel that? I feel that every Sunday now. Preacher wants more. And I can feel him crying out to God about this thing. Where are you at today with that? Where are you at today with that? You can't stay in Egypt. You can't stay in Egypt. You've got to get out of Egypt, church. It's a picture of the world. And the Bible says this. And don't mistake it. We're to love the world. We're to witness to them. We're to share the gospel with them. Hey, we're to bring them to church so they can be exposed to the gospel. But the Bible still says, 
Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. You can't hold hands with the world and hold hands with God. Some of you need to get off the fence and get to Canaan and get out of Egypt. They groaned, they cried, and said, God, we're sick of it. Get us out of here. Not in self-righteousness, but in humility, asking God to take us to another level. I need it in my life. Too many of God's people, we just remain the same. I don't know about you, I want my kids to notice a growing faith in my life. I'm going to tell you one of the things God's done with this addiction. God does all kind of stuff, good stuff with bad stuff. Amen? He's grown my faith, but I'm going to tell you something else. Because two of my kids have told me this. In the last ten years, one of the reasons I'm glad my wife and I have stayed faithful to church, faithful to preaching, faithful to teaching, is because two of my children have told me since then, Dad... I've noticed you staying faithful to God during all this mess. Somebody's watching you. Some of us need to want to go to higher ground because somebody's watching us. And I got news for you. If we don't get there, it's going to affect them the other way. Who's watching you? Some of you teenagers that say, yeah, mom and dad, he's preaching to you. Now, let me tell you something. I'm preaching to all you kids that's got younger brothers and sisters. Because that's one of the things my three younger children have missed out on. An older role model as a sibling. You older kids, you old, the ones that are oldest in the family, hey, God puts a little more premium on your role. You're supposed to be the example to your younger siblings. No doubt in my mind about that. You ought to want to go to higher ground. Hey, where are you at today? I'm telling you, it starts with desire. It starts with desire and a cry to God. Maybe some today just need to cry out to God, Lord, man, I need to let go of Egypt. I need to let go of the world. God, I'm crying, I'm groaning that you would grow me to a place where I'm uncomfortable. Lord, where I have to depend on you more. Get me out of my casual Christian living, God. Get me out of my comfort zone. Some of you need to pray that today. Secondly, number two, Number two, we must get rid... Did I give everybody the notes on the first one? Number two, we must get rid of any excuses which represent a lack of faith. Not only do we have to cry out to God and desire this, we've got to want it, but number two, we've got to get rid of excuses. Man, God called Moses, and y'all know the story. Next three or four chapters... Man, Moses starts making every excuse in the book, amen? He starts telling God why it won't work. Moses starts telling God, Lord, hey, there's a bunch of reasons, God, why you're not going to be able to use me to bring your children out of Egypt. It ain't going to work. Chapter 3, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. Let me just go over this with you. Chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said, who am I? God said, Moses, I want you to lead my children into freedom. Moses said, who am I that, that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? Each? Moses wasn't trying to be modest there. Moses didn't believe he could do this. Amen? 
Moses had to get to a point in his life to where he quit depending on what he could do and start depending on what God can do. Amen, church? Some of y'all need to quit making excuses on why you're not doing more for God. Yeah. Some of y'all are out here today, you say, man, I can't do that. I can't, who am I? You don't know my past, preacher. God can't use me to do that. Hey, quit making excuses. Quit believing in what you've done in the past and in your ability and start believing in what God can do. We need to do that, church. I need to do that. He said, who am I? Man, Moses started, hey, the same, the same guy that's going to split the Red Sea, that had the faith to split the Red Sea with his staff just a few chapters before was saying, God, I can't do this. Isn't it amazing how much faith God can grow in someone's life? Is he doing that in your life? We've got to get rid of excuses. He said, I can't do this. I'm not capable of doing this, God. I'm not capable of being a leader. Verse 13. Don't have to look there. I'll read it. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they shall say to me, What is his name? God, what am I going to tell them? They're going to say, Who sent you? What's his name? God, what do I say your name is? He said, You tell them I am that I am. Amen. Almost sounds like Popeye the sailor man to me. You tell them I am that I am. God, hey, here's the thing. Every excuse Moses made, God had an answer. Some of y'all that are making excuses why you're not serving. And by the way, I'm glad everyone's here this morning. I mean that. But if, if the realm of your Christianity is to show up on Sunday and that's it, you're missing out. There's so many opportunities to serve at Gospel Light from the buses. Hey, to the Sunday school, if you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. Listen to me, church. If you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. I'm talking about Celebrate Recovery, Brother Ray, where we had 115 people Friday night, and a young, hey, a man, an older man came to this altar and said, Brother Butch, I'm lost and I want to be found. And I prayed with him. And old George got saved. And yesterday, my youngest son and I were in Kroger. And guess who walked in? I called him out of the corner of my eye. I said, man, that's George. And George ran over and hugged me. He hugged me. And he said, man, all I can tell you is I feel different today. I said, man, I know, George. I've been there, man. You got new life, man. Now, it may take God a while to grow him, but I'm telling you, he experienced new life in Christ. I could see it on his countenance. Man, he looked different. So, what are you saying? I'm saying some of y'all are missing out. Well, I, I can't do celebrate recovery. I don't, you know, I've never been in addiction. Hey, you know what? Celebrate, let me just do a little celebrate recovery commercial. Celebrate recovery is not about just drug addicts and alcoholics. If you got a problem with anger, it's a good place to be. If you got a problem with the lack of faith like I do sometimes, it's a good place to be. If you got a problem with bitterness, it's a good place to be. If you got a problem with forgiving people, it's a good place to be. Sounds like it's for everybody to me, Brother Ray. 
You say, well, I ain't got time on Friday night. Come once a month. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you ever come once, you're going to come back. Hey, we make excuses. Amen. Moses started making them. Lord, I don't even know what to tell him your name is. Man, that's, a, that's kind of a bad one. Amen. At least come up with a good one, Moses. So what did he say then in verse chapter 4, verse... God, they're not going to believe me. Chapter 4, verse 1. But behold, they will not believe me or hearken unto my voice. God, they're not going to listen to me. And I love this. God said, Moses, it's not about them believing you. It's about them believing me. It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. Some of y'all that are making excuses... Why don't you just go ahead and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's about your ability. And God can do anything. He can use anyone he wants to. I've seen God use people that the world would think was useless. But God can use anybody he wants to. I mentioned this morning, everyone in here probably remembers Brother Albert Payton. People used to look at him and think, man, he's useless. Shot in the head as a kid, half paralyzed. But I had Brother Albert preach at my church when I was pastoring a powerful message. And I said, wow, God, it's not about his ability, it's about yours. Some of y'all need to quit making excuses on why you're not growing, why you're not going to higher ground. Quit believing in your ability and start believing in God's. Man, Moses just kept on. Chapter 4, verse 10, he said, I'm not eloquent. He said, Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither herefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. He said this, I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I don't know. I looked that up, tried to figure out exactly what that meant, but it, it probably meant that he had some kind of a stuttering problem or trouble getting words out. Uh, obviously, he mentioned it three times in one verse. He had some kind of a communication problem. And so... You know, I saw that and I thought, well, you know, I could see Moses saying, Lord, how are you going to do this with me? I can't even talk clearly. How am I going to lead millions of Jews out of Egypt when I, I can't even get it out? God said this. I love this. We don't talk about this much. Verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? God said, Moses. I'm the one that made your mouth. You know, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how many times we offer up our insufficiencies to God, acting like he don't know about them. Amen. God, don't, God, I can't even talk. God said, Moses, I'm the one that made your mouth. I know that. God knows our plight. He knows our insufficiencies. But I'm telling you, church, get this this morning. Our insufficiencies combined with God's power equal a miracle every time. I'm telling you, he'll fill those gaps, won't he? I've seen God fill those gaps in my life. He just fills them up. Where I'm insufficient, God just fills them up with his power. And those are the best ones. I used to not be very merciful. Man, I wouldn't. That's another thing God's done with this. I guarantee you, listen to me. If I had never had a son with drug addiction problems, I would not be at CR on Friday night. I wouldn't be because I wasn't merciful. That, that runs in my family. Man, I grew up in a house where everyone's responsible for his own actions. Don't you forget it. My daddy was hard. 
month before I graduated from high school, my daddy said, hey, what's your plans next month? I'm going to graduate, I guess. Hey, man. He said, I know after that. What are you going to do? You ain't living with me. When you graduate, you're a man. I ain't kidding you. Hey, what are you saying? I grew up, wasn't no mercy with my daddy. Everyone's responsible for his own actions. By the way, there's some truth to that, but God commands us to be merciful. And God had to fill in those gaps in my life where I wasn't merciful. And a wonderful thing has happened. I'm merciful now. I am. I got compassion to these. On Friday night, God said, I tell you what, your son's going to be in drug addiction and you're going to wind up having compassion for people that are. And I got compassion now. I do. I, I mean, and, and it's amazing. That crowd that comes on Friday, hey, they love each other. They're compassionate toward each other. Our insufficiencies with God's power, I'm telling you, it'll produce a miracle every time. Every time. Man, Moses just kept making excuses. God said, Moses, I made your mouth. God said, Moses, I, I'll give you Aaron. I tell you what, I'll give you Aaron and he'll speak for you. I'm going to talk to you, Moses. You're going to, hey, you're going to talk to Aaron and Aaron's going to talk to the children of Israel. Hey, you can't make enough excuses to get on what God wants you to do. Some of y'all need to quit making excuses and say, Lord, hey, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to another level. I'm going to higher ground. Moses continued. He went to Pharaoh. He took Aaron with him. They told Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh laughed and increased the workload of the Israelites. Man, things got worse. You know what God reminded me of there? Sometimes things get worse before they get better, don't they? I mean, there's a whole lesson there for us. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. And, and you know what we need to keep doing? Just trusting Him. Brother John told me that this morning. Just keep trusting Him. Just keep trusting I'm going to tell you something. It's a key. Don't miss this. We've got one more point. All the excuses Moses made, I love this. About two verses after he made those excuses... The Bible said, but Moses obeyed. Even when we don't understand what's going on, we can still obey. Y'all get that? Even when we're in pain, we can still obey. We're not always going to be happy. Hey, we're not always going to be jubilant, but we can always obey. Even in your brokenness, in your pain, in your doubt... In your fear, you can still obey God when you don't understand anything that's going on around you. And I think that was the key. Our attitude and our obedience. Listen, Moses, did, he, he couldn't see what God was doing. Moses, hey, remember in that chapter, God, the whole time God was doing all this, the Bible said he was working on Pharaoh's heart too at the same time. Moses couldn't see that. Here's the point. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You and I need to get to a point in life where we trust God and believe God even when we can't see Him. Amen? Even when we can't see Him working. Even when we don't see what He's doing. Sometimes God is working behind the scenes. You don't even know it. And God says those are the times... 
If you'll trust me, I'll grow you. I'll take you to higher ground. Trust me in your tribulation. Trust me in, in your pain. Trust me while your son's in addiction. Don't you quit preaching. Don't you quit teaching the Word of God. You just keep trusting me in your trials and in your tribulations, and I will grow you because it's the times in our life when we can't see God, when we don't feel God, when it seems like He's not listening. It's those times, if we'll stay faithful and we'll stay obedient, that God takes us to higher ground. Some of y'all, the only time you're faithful is when you can see it. Only time you go into the deep water is when you can see the plank. Man, it's time for some of us to step out in the deep water and we don't even know if God's there. Excuses. Moses just kept making them on and on. God, I want a deeper walk with you. We've got to quit making excuses. Your notes are this under point number two. God does not call us because we are qualified, but because we are surrendered. Don't miss that. Moses gave God 40 reasons why he wasn't qualified. Aren't you glad God doesn't call us because we're qualified? He calls us because we're surrendered. And God had to get Moses to that place too. Number two, God does not need great ability. Just great belief in His ability. Don't miss that. When David slew Goliath, he did not tell Goliath it was in his ability. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. David did not defeat Goliath because of his ability. He defeated Goliath because of the belief he had in God's ability. Some of you have got a Goliath standing in front of you. You don't think you can win. And you can't, but God can. Quit making excuses. And then your last note under point number two. Doubt and fear are normal, but become dangerous when we allow them to linger. All throughout the Bible, we see examples of God's people fearful. I used to think, man, I should never have any fear. Well, everyone in the Bible did. Amen? That's normal. Don't get down on yourself because something scares you. Where it's dangerous is if we allow it to linger. Got to get over it. Excuses. Last thing, we'll be done. You want to go to higher ground? You got to cry out to God. You got to quit making excuses. And number three, in your worship guide, we must get rid of our grumblings. We must get rid of of our grumblings. As God led Moses and Moses led God's people, over time, some of them began to complain. I really believe in that story. God brought his people out of Egypt. Moses parted the Red Sea. I believe that right there. When God's people went across on dry land, I believe that's a picture of salvation. God saved his people, amen? He saved them right there. That's where they got saved. Remember the day you got saved? That, the day you got saved is the day you crossed the Red Sea on dry land. And when the devil come after you, God closed the sea on him. Amen? I believe that's a picture of salvation. But here, wait a minute. 
that was a great day. But God said there's higher ground called Canaan. God says, this was a great day, but I got a better place for you. It's called Canaan. And some of us, after we cross the Red Sea, we're still right there at the end of it. We ain't nowhere near Canaan than we was the day we got saved. Why? Because of our grumblings. God saved his people, brought them through Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, killed the Egyptians. And at first they were excited. Amen? God saved us. They had a celebration. They offered sacrifice. They gave an offering. They sung hymns. Hey, man, they were excited. Their God delivered them. They were saved. Man, it wasn't but just a few weeks. What happened? Some of them started complaining. Just a few weeks later, the same people that were excited about getting saved were complaining. Hey, here's the lesson for us. Some of us have done got used to being saved. We done got used to it. It ain't exciting to us anymore. Man, we done got numb to it. Amen? Hey, we just get used to God being good to us. We get complacent. Man, we just get used to the manna and the water. A picture of provision. Everyone in this church probably got a roof over your head and food on your table. And you know what? We ain't even that thankful for it anymore. We just got used to it. They used to say, God, this manna is good. The Bible says it was like a honey-flavored wafer. Sounds good to me, amen. I'm losing weight as we speak. I could use some manna right now. Man, just a few chapters later, man, I'm sick of manna. This water out of this rock don't taste as good as it did a few weeks ago. Hey, church, you ain't going to get to higher ground grumbling. There's a lot of God's people today that spend way too much time grumbling in the wilderness. And Canaan lands just right around the corner. Do you realize the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that that Canaan was an 11-day journey and it took God's people 40 years because of their grumbling and their griping and their complaining and their unthankfulness. You want to go to higher ground? You need to be thankful and you need to learn to be content with what God has given you. It's amazing to me how many Christians waste so many years with ingratitude and griping and complaining. Where are you at today with that? You're not going to get to higher ground grumbling. We must get rid of the grumblings. God has always provided the needs of his people. Sometimes we get mad because he don't give us all of our wants. And he never promised that. He may give you some of them, but all he ever promised was your needs. And God believe with all my heart, until we start getting really thankful for just our basic needs being met, we're not going to go to higher ground. Not going to happen. Some of y'all need to say this. Lord, help me to learn to be content. Oh, I need to desire to grow. I need desire to, to go to higher ground. But today, Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. By the way, contentment's not having everything you want. It's wanting everything you have.
Some of y'all need to get there. Some of y'all need to just get there today. You want to go to higher ground? You got to cry out to God. You got to get rid of those excuses. You got to get rid of those grumblings. God's people got unthankful. They weren't content anymore with the provision. They lost their thankfulness, their gratitude. The same God that drew them through the Red Sea provided that unbelievable miracle. Just a few weeks later, we're griping. Sound like some of us sometimes, amen? God's been good to us, and it won't be long till we're griping. Hey, we're not going to go to higher ground like that. What about you today? Let me give you the notes, and we'll finish up today. We've got to get rid of our grumblings, church. Grumbling will delay you reaching your destination in Christ. Grumbling will delay you reaching your destination in Christ. It'll delay it. Your next note is this. Ultimately, our spiritual destination in this life and how we get there is up to God. How we get there is up to God. But when we get there is greatly affected by our obedience and our faith. How we get there is up to God. When we get there in many ways is up to us. We choose to grumble and make excuses and be unthankful. We're going to delay our Canaan. God help me to not waste any more time grumbling. Lastly today, there's two final thoughts below that. There was a downward progression that led to idolatry and immorality. Man, God's people wound up, y'all know the story, they wound up falling into idolatry. God's people did. Same people that begged God to save them. We got people like that today, don't judge them. All kind of Christians today got a lot of things more important to them than God. That's an idol, church. Last note is this. What was an 11-day journey turned into 40 years of wandering. You want to go to higher ground? Cry out to God. Maybe some need to come today and say, Lord, give me a new desire for you. A fresh desire for you. Help me to be like that deer in the book of Psalm that pants after the water brooks. That pants because it will not survive without the water brooks. God, help me to get up every day and say, Lord, I will not survive without you today. God, help me to do that. God, help me to quit making excuses. Some of y'all need to quit making excuses and say, Lord, I want to do more. I want to serve you in a capacity here that I've never done before. I want to go out into a little deeper water and let my pastor know that I want to do more. Some of y'all been the same too long. And then there may be some in here that need to quit grumbling. You just need to quit being used to being saved. Say, Lord, every day of my life from this day forward, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to learn what contentment's all about. Because, God, I realize if I'm unthankful, I'm not going to go to higher ground. Not going to happen. Finally, God leads them into Canaan. But they had to get right first. So where are you at today with heads bowed and eyes closed? Really, the message today was for believers as we think about higher ground. 
you may be here today and lost and not know Jesus. You may be here today and not know Jesus as your personal Savior. I want you to know you can go to higher ground too in salvation. As a Christian today, what about you? Do you really want higher ground? Without you even raising your hand, ask yourself, do I really want more? Because if you do, it's going to mandate that you cry out to God. Maybe today you need to come to this altar and just cry out to God, Lord, I want more. Lord, give me a new desire. Some of you need to say, Lord, I'm going to come down to that altar today and get rid of my excuses why I hadn't been serving you like I should. I'm going to quit making excuses. Some need to come today and say, Lord, I'm going to quit grumbling. And I'm going to start being thankful. Because I want higher ground. I want to grow. I want to walk in deeper waters. When I get through praying, if God spoke to you in any way, please come and spend time at this altar with Him. Let's stand, Father. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, I know in my life, Lord, i got some growing to do. And for me, when I look at those three points, really it's the first one that's mine. Lord, because of some of the things we're going through, I've lost some desire. I don't desire you like I should sometimes. God, help me to learn to pant after you like that deer does the water brook. Help me to get to a place in my spiritual life where I'll believe you and trust you even when I don't see you so that you can grow me. I believe Canaan lands out there, God, and I believe I'm behind getting there because of my grumblings and my unthankfulness and to be frank with you, God, just getting used to being saved. Oh, God, work in our life today. Do a work in the lives of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, if God spoke to you, some have come, you come today.